Hello and welcome back to the Adam B and Adam G NBA podcast. Goodness gracious me, um, it's been a big old week of the NBA, Adam G. Almost becoming unprecedented how each week becomes more interesting than the other. I feel like there is even more to come. God, I hope not. I can't keep up with this shit. It's is that crazy. Being too, is that being too greedy? Uh, yeah, it has been too greedy. You want off-season right now. Like, this Blake Griffin trade is an off-season Woj bomb kind of trade. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of expecting that this is still the warm-up to some major playoff headline that we're not ready for yet. Because there's no way this can be. I don't want this to be the peak of the NBA season at the end of January. No, that's no good. That's no good. But... It's hard to see how anything bigger could drop after this trade. It's Blake Griffin to Detroit. Um, so the Clippers sent... Run... Sorry, mate. Yeah, should we run through it? Yeah, let's send it through. So the Clippers sent Blake, Willie Reed, and Bryce Johnson over to Detroit in exchange for Tobias, uh, Tobias Harris, who's having a good season, Avery Bradley, who's not, yep. Boban, <laughs> and a couple of... Future picks, a first and a second. Uh, yeah. Well, heavily protected too, it looks like. One to four. Yeah, so, that first, yeah, that first round pick is heavily protected uh, through the next three years. However, I don't think the chances of the Pistons finishing in the bottom force uh, in the lottery, right deep in the lottery, is there. So I feel like the pick's going to go straight to the Clippers at the end of the season. So initial reactions, Adam G. What did you think when this all went down? How shocked were you? I thought it was one of those joke Twitters. One of those uh, those fake Twitter accounts, a little bit of fake news, just trying to wind people up and somehow it got spread. But when Woj came on with it, uh, that was that was a holy shit moment. That was a... Yes. I could not believe that... The thing that they'd been talking about that they would never do based on re-signing Blake, 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 Blake Griffin at the start of this season had actually happened. Yeah, and it was like a Danny Ainge level of coldness from the Clippers because you remember in the off-season when they signed him to this big new fat contract, there was a massive courting process. They brought him into the arena they did this whole visual light spectacular comparing him to Martin Luther King Jr. and Muhammad Ali and said that he'd made a huge difference to the Clippers. And they did this fast forward 10, 12 years into the future and did like a mock jersey retirement for him in the empty okay. Staples Center. And it's like, yes. you're a Clipper for life. And to do that in July and then in January, trade the guy away after nine odd seasons, that's fucking, that's crazy. Did he punch another equipment manager? No, that was just the one, the one equipment manager punched. I thought they were through okay. this, but clearly Jerry West, GM Jerry West, no longer GM Doc Rivers, um, means serious fucking business. He said he wanted to bring a, a title to LA and he's clearly taking it seriously. Yeah, well, they had three very clear objectives through this trade at the Clippers, and that was to stay competitive while getting younger and clearing a bit of cap space. Now, Clippers fans, don't get your hopes up for LeBron. Uh, unless Jerry West can pull off a Pat Riley-esque 
major coup at the end of this season, which... Like the seduction, let me see you down, here's all my rings, I'm all about success. I know, Jerry, well, Jerry West was the guy who put together the Warriors. He's the logo. Yeah, he's the logo, and with Boban on board, they cannot be defeated. Clearly. He really tips them over the edge. Yeah, but look, seriously, they're looking at a player who's owed 31, 34, 36, and 38 million through 2022, who's aged 28, 29, and he's been missing games every single year of his career. When people talk about Blake Griffin's nine-year Clippers career, his first year he was redshirted and sat out, and this year he's played half a year. So he's played seven seasons of basketball, yet he's only played 500 games. Yeah. He's, and this games every year. He's not, he's not performing at a high enough rate to be playing 60 games or 35 games through seasons and then occasionally putting up an 80-game season and saying, hey, have a look at this. Yeah, I agree completely. And many people have said this, but you fast forward to him being 30 years old, so two or three years' time, and he's going to be paid $36 million. This is a guy whose game has always relied on athleticism, explosiveness, bullying his way into the paint. And although he's become so much a better mid-range, three-point spot-up shooter and a much better distributor, like it doesn't bode well. You can't imagine them getting four years of productivity out of him, especially when you take into account his habit of getting injured once a season. Yeah, and $38 million a year, there is no guarantee the cap goes up high enough to make that okay. Um, but you have to admit, it makes it makes Detroit pretty legitimate this season to be a playoff chance, right? I think Avery Bradley was a net loss for them and maybe yeah. demonstrative of how, like, Brad Stevens makes players look exceptional because he knows how to fit them into a system. Um, yeah. So they'll miss Tobias Harris, who's having a great season, but I'm very excited to see what Blake can do with Drummond, especially once Detroit gets somewhat of a decent point guard back. Um, I would yeah, love to see them make a bit of a run. Yeah, definitely. And before we move off the Clippers, can we just say the first game at Staples Center for the Clippers post the Blake Griffin nine-year era? 16,000 fans attended. There were 5,000 empty seats. Well, this is the trade-off. And you know who wasn't there? You know who, which, which famous person was not in those seats and could have taken up one of those 5,000 seats? Who was missing? Oh, who is missing? Should we introduce our, uh, our guest our guest pod star uh, for today, giggling in the background here. Um, fiance, Jess? <laughs> we have a new correspondent. Yeah, a new correspondent for uh, why the Staples Centre has 5,000 less uh, people watching, or more specifically, one person not there. Jess. introduced to yes. the listeners? Or? Yeah, Jess, please bring us in. Show us your knowledge, because this is an area where we are blanking. Look, I have a guilty pleasure of watching the Kardashians quite often, and I must say, as soon as I heard about the trade, the first thing that came to mind was, what is Kendall Jenner going to do? So it's keeping up with the Kardashian curse, I think. Which is a famous curse, 
that's gone through many, many sports athletes, many sports stars, not just athletes. I mean, if we count Chris Humphreys out, the other guys that have been affected by this are $100 million-plus sporting athletes. Um, what do you reckon, Jess? What's the well, yeah. initial reaction? You got Jess. Like, the like, there's been a yeah. history of this curse. Tristan Thompson is a shell of a man currently, and James Harden had like a shocking start to the season when he was dating one of those Kardashians. What does this mean for Blake, and what does this mean for the Kardashians? Well, I reckon the Clippers are doing him a solid by sending him away before the curse hits him. Wise. Um, yeah, so I'm thinking maybe they. Uh, you know, thinking ahead before he turns to shit, possibly, but... Do you think Jerry West <laughs> keeps up with the Kardashians as well? And maybe he knew something that we didn't know in the last six months of filming? Is that possible, or...? Well, Jer- Jerry West is a connoisseur. He's he, he learns at all times, gathering information, making adjustments. But the other twist to this trade is... Do they stay together? What is Kendall going to commute from LA to um, Detroit, Michigan, to see her boyfriend, or is that off the off the table? No, I don't think so. I reckon they're over. I actually found a really good, a funny tweet today, um, and someone posted the uh, Gary Puppet on Twitter. The Clippers hated the Kardashians so much they shipped their best player to Detroit for nothing, just to. Keep Kendall Jenner the fuck out of Staples Center. I thought that was pretty <laughs> good. Man, the curse runs deep. Yeah, they're sick of them turning up, you know, sitting courtside watching their their partners play. They probably, I don't know, I don't even know if they actually follow the game. But, yeah, I just thought it was quite, quite funny. The first thing that came to mind was Kendall Jenner, and I think it was probably one of the top trending uh, tweets as soon as it happened on what was going to happen, but I don't think they'll stay together. There's no way that you could go to Detroit from L.A. No. Jess, what, yeah, what kind of relationship did they have? Were they were people talking about them being close, or was this just a casual L.A. kind of fling, so it's easy for them to well, sort of part ways? Well, considering on the show they call him the basketballer, I don't think it's anything too serious. They don't even name drop on the actual show, so... Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's going to last at all. And if it does, I'll be extremely surprised. And if it does, hopefully, he doesn't get sucked into the curse. If it's true, but I'm know, sure Detroit is far away enough and cold enough and unglamorous yeah. enough for him to escape this curse. Well, I mean, it's a real test of the curse, really. He's dodged a bullet, I think. Well, it is, but this curse has affected places in Chicago. With Kanye, Kanye, yeah, uh, affected Cleveland area as well. Yeah. Um, has been through Detroit before with Reggie Bush, so Goodness. there might be a sneaky little Midwest action for the Kardashians. New store opening up, or we'll see. We'll see. Well, thank you for the insight, Jess. I, I just learned a lot of words all at once. <laughs> My pleasure. I think um, the best thing that I've learned from that is that they couldn't even name him in the show, and I feel like. The basketballer could be a good nickname for Blake. Yeah, but you'd never know who they were referring to since they all seem to be dating basketballers. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it could be any one of them that are underperforming. (laughs) Yeah. There's no good one. Most of them are are big men that have been paid that have then 
after they've been paid, they should never have been paid. It, so, it, it could have cost James Harden like a career. We all saw him come back that summer kind of fat and slow and disinterested like a couple of years ago. I didn't even know which one he was dating, but I knew it was the curse. Yeah, which one was he dating? We dodged a bullet there. He was with Chloe, and I think after they split, that was when he hadn't came up uh, second MVP for the year. Yeah, yeah, behind Russ. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe on the show, if they don't mention your name on the show, then you're not cursed. So, Oh, okay. Like Adam said, being obviously known as the basketballer, I don't know if James name was ever dropped on the show but obviously chris lamar reggie they were all dropped on the show in terms of their names so maybe this is we've figured out the curse if the name's mentioned on the show then they're cursed because the ones that haven't yet been named are the ones that have dodged a bullet and actually come back or done okay well and surely gms are going to start looking at this yeah surely general managers and teams are going to be uh drafting and purchasing and transferring trading for players without any former curse cursed body parts or even a post curse uh hype like james harden this is it this is it and well speaking speaking of relationships and being loyal i think that between the isaiah thomas trade and this cold cold blake griffin trade after that as i said off-season um, seduction from the Clippers. I think any talk of player loyalty, team loyalty, is officially, officially dead and buried. Yeah, definitely. I think there's. We all understand that now. Um, firstly, thank you very much to Jess for the angle on the Kardashians. Just tremendous work. Yeah, just where whether or not it'd be interesting to see what happens to Blake after this. Um, but in terms of loyalty as well. Uh, Another good tweet that from Legion Hoops that Jess was able to find as well while trying to find uh, the Blake Griffin next few years predictions was since the end of the 2017 finals, these players have moved or switched teams, including Blake Griffin, Mello, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Gordon Hayward, Dwight Howard, Kyrie, Brooke Lopez, Paul Millsap, Victor Oladipo, Chris Paul, Derek Rose, Isaiah Thomas, and Dwayne Wade. That is an all-star roster who have left teams or moved teams in the last year. Yeah, and it, it really makes you go back and appreciate a guy like Tim Duncan or Dirk or Kobe. Yeah. Like That was just maybe the last era of guys sitting still, of guys committing and a team committing to a guy and understanding the value of consistency and building a team around someone and a culture around someone. Now, man, fuck. The closest thing to a consistent culture you can find in the NBA would be around coaches. And you see that a lot in Miami with um, Eric Spolstra and now kind of in Boston with Brad Stevens. But players don't seem to be able to stick around long enough to make that deep an impression on a team and a city. Okay, so do we think that these players involved in the trade are going to stick around on their new team? Absolutely not. You don't think Blake is going to stick with Drummond and form a, a new, more offensive, powerful 1-2 or 4-5, actually? I uh, would worry that they're going to get in each other's way, like, uh, yeah. from a spacing Blake, point of view. Been, no, I mean, Blake's been moving further and further away from the rim and shooting better th- 
a better percentage of threes, more high volume shots from outside, but at a lower efficiency than what he used to. That's fair. I mean, he he has he has expanded his game, but you have to remember this is a guy who's like been pursuing a career in film in LA and is used to a life of glamour. Who's played with unbelievable point guards just about every year of his career and is used to being fed the ball in a, in a particular way. Now he's going to the old factory city of Detroit where it's fucking freezing where Drummond is the alpha male undisputed and where you've got a roster kind of in flux. And from Detroit's perspective, they're going to, like, as soon as they can, Stan Van Gundy, which some people say is on the cards, should this not work out. Whoever comes in is going to be like, holy shit, we're paying this guy $34 million. We have zero cap flexibility. we got to move on from him. So I don't know which direction it's going to come from, but if you ask me, is Blake going to be in Detroit in two years' time? Absolutely not. Yeah, I think it could fit. I, I disagree. I think it could fit because strictly Drummond and Blake X's and O's, Blake did not average or a- did not average 5.7 three-point attempts in his previous six years in the league, and this year he's averaging 5.7 threes per game. This is also a guy who doesn't need to rebound with Drummond on the team, the leading rebounder in the league, by the way. Blake was a huge rebounding presence in the first four years of his career, with 12, 11, 8, and 9.5 and rebounds per game. The last four years of his career, he's been getting further and further away from the rim and shooting more and more threes. And not only that, he's actually shooting less twos. He's attempting less shots from inside the arc this year than any other year in his career. That does bode well. That does. But I think spacing, I just can't picture it. I'm very curious to watch them play, put it that way. But um, him sticking around is one question. Whether or not the likes of Avery Bradley and Tobias Harris are going to stick around in LA enough to make an impression is another worry. Because Avery Bradley's contract is up at the end of this season and God knows how much he's going to get paid. Well, I think it's still a good player you have there as the Clippers. He's young enough and he's good enough. And as a three-man rotation between him, Patrick Beverly, and Lou Williams, if they can hold on to those players, I see that as a permanent... Those players should be on the court. Two of those players should be on the court for 48 minutes a game. Yeah. And if that's the case... Him and um, Beverly would make a really good pair of, like, junkyard dogs, similar to how Bradley and Smart operated in Boston. A bit of, like, five, ten minutes of lockdown D in a big game in a fourth quarter. That's nice. I mean, that's really sexy. Yeah. And Avery Bradley has had success in the past locking down not the biggest threes in the league, but the average-sized threes in the league. So... For some games, they'll all play together as well. Right. I mean, Bradley's 6'2". He's short, but he's proven himself effective in big games. And God, if there's one thing Doc Rivers loves, it's getting and trading for players that used to play for him, and it's trading for players that have played well against him. And Harris and Bradley tick both those boxes, so I'm sure he's a happy man. Oh, definitely. He definitely does that. Um, quick uh, quick stat for the Blake Griffin uh, lovers out there. In the last four seasons, 
In how many seasons, and this, listeners can work this out, in how many seasons has Russell Westbrook shot better from three than Blake Griffin in the last four seasons? Ooh, maybe one? One. In 2016-17, in that season, Blake Griffin shot 33.6% from the three-point area, and Russell Westbrook shot a very marginally better 34.3%. Every other season, Blake Griffin has been more efficient from outside the arc than Russell Westbrook. That's disgusting. I do believe this can happen. I believe, and on high volume this year, this can work. The Drummond-Griffin thing can work, and I actually believe, even though that can work, the Clippers still won this trade, just due to the fact that I like Tobias Harris, I like Avery Bradley, uh, and I do like the picks they got back as well. And they got rid of that huge contract. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to like Blake Griffin in three years, but for the next couple of seasons, yeah, if Detroit can make a run, well, we'll see about it. I hope they make the playoffs um, this year because that'd be really fun against, like, even the Cavs or the Celtics, you know, 1-7, uh, 1-8, 2-7 kind of matchup. Like, that'd make the first round more interesting for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, I think we've spoken enough about the Detroit Pistons and the LA Clippers. Uh, there is some sad news going around in the NBA uh, as of late, as of Wednesday morning uh, or earlier this morning, Wednesday in America. Uh, Rasul Butler and former NBA player for eight different teams, um, most notably for me of the Bulls for six games. <laughs> uh, him and his wife were involved in a car crash early this morning and both, I think, passed away at the scene, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, only 38, and it's certainly uh, sparked a lot of uh, memories from other people in other NBA rosters and around the league talking about how good of a veteran and how good of a pro and how good of a person this guy was. So it's just sad to lose someone in such shocking and uh, devastating fashion, I guess, this morning. Yes, yeah, it's, it's terrible news, and to be that young as well is absolutely shocking. Um, so, um, you know... You never like to hear that, and it's just a a, a, a dark moment for the NBA. Yeah, um, and look, I, look, I wanted to mention that, and I wanted to mention that uh, relatively early because that is that is big news uh, around the NBA and around the country this year, uh, this this day. Um, but there has been other news around the league, and I don't want to be disrespectful by moving on to more positive or more outstanding NBA skill straight after that, but. We kind of have to move straight on to James Harden. Yeah, ball is life. And Harden, wow, he's really balling. The first 60-point triple-double in fucking history. Ever. Ever. 60 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists. He... (laughs) And hold hold on. If I'm not mistaken, he got to 60 points with a four-point play to seal the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. In the fourth quarter, down at 56 with the previous franchise record holder, I think Lewis Murphy of the Rockets. Uh, I apologize if I get his name incorrect. Um, Who had the franchise record 59, and James Harden beat it with a four-point play. That's disgusting. He's unbelievable. And, like, while everyone's been taking a little bit of a sleep as of late in the MVP race, no one's really been sticking out their head in obvious fashion, drawing attention and votes to themselves. 
Well, Harden's like, fuck this. I'm going all out. Because he's come close, and this could very well be his season if LeBron stays kind of chill for the next couple of months. I think I think he's the top of the ladder for me. Oh, he's top of my ladder as well. I'd go Harden, LeBron, Steph, KD, and Giannis as my top five. Uh, quick correction, apologies to uh, Calvin Murphy, uh, the previous uh, franchise record leader of the Rockets with single-game scoring of 57 points back in 1978. Um, Damn, Calvin. But he was in the, he was in the stands. To yes, he was there. He was there, and on his feet, smiling and applauding James Harden as he destroyed his record with a triple-double and a four-point play to win the game over the Magic 114-107. Um, please give him the envy. Please, please allow this man to stay healthy and fresh and perform well. I mean, he did this without Chris Paul, Trevor Ariza, and Eric Gordon. Three of the next three best players on his team were not playing, and he still managed this even through double and triple teams. Yes. Please give the man the MVP. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, and a little bit more bad news, it was a terrible week for injuries in the NBA. Like, all-time shocking. Um, we're talking... Kevin Love going down, Boogie yes. going down, John yes. Wall's having surgery that'll put him out for two months. Uh, Mike Conley's gone of surgery that'll end his season. Um, have I missed anything? That was all in like the past oh, that's, ten days. Uh, it's not as it's not as big a name, but Andre Roberson for the yes. Thunder. Okay, he's crucial to that team, and he's gone oh, for the season. Yeah, him and Paul George led the wing rotation in terms of defensive efficiency him and paul george on the wing against your two best players have no chance mm. that thunder defense was run by paul george andre Roberson, and stephen adams and that is not a very deep roster um they're in trouble the pels the pelicans without boogie they're in trouble the wizards even though they've already been shit all season they're in trouble without john well, Wall. yes and it opens the door wide for a number of teams to take their kind of presumed three, four, five, six seed. I think it, it's kind of burst open the race, that and the Pistons trade. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Kevin Love. That... Oh, my goodness. And Kevin Love. Apologies, Kevin Love. Yes. He's the least remarkable know. player, honest to God. For someone who's so productive, there's nothing <laughs> memorable yeah. about him. I know. He's already been left out of an Instagram shot before. So Fucking savage. Poor yeah, bastard. Um, the biggest thing that's come out after all these injuries is the the restarting of the talk of fatigue. Mm. In all these last five years since mm. the Spurs showed that they, you could win through using rotation with your roster, uh, now teams have been going the other way a little bit and Playing their star players too many minutes. And we're especially looking at two stars in John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins. Now, for the previous 10 games before his injury, DeMarcus Cousins was averaging 40 minutes per game. He'd played in four overtime games in nine days. And the previous game played a career-high 52 minutes. Yes, he was like on an all-time streak in terms of productivity. And they were leaning on him heavily 
There were a couple of games where Anthony Davis fouled out early, those overtime games, and he had to ball out. And it was indisputably the greatest kind of run of games in his career. He was winning games for the team, influencing games in ways he hasn't before, and playing astronomical minutes. Yeah, and it peaked with that 44.23 rebound 10 assist game in overtime against the Bulls. Which we talked um, about just last episode and we were praising yeah, we were, the curse. We were praising. After the game, he was interviewed uh, on the floor and asked, uh, How's he, how is he feeling? And he was joking with reporters saying that my strength coach asked about his thoughts about lifting after the game and going to the gym. And he said, he's got to be joking. And if, he, if DeMarcus said... If DeMarcus had any energy, he'd be fighting his strength coach. Because literally, he said he was absolutely gassed. There was no way he was doing anything. And yet, he plays the next game and gets injured. And he's now going to kill his tear for a 270-pound human. It's shocking. And we all know the effect that an Achilles tear has on any player, let alone a big man who weighs that much and who careens through the paint the way he does. Yeah, definitely, and and it's not it's not even it's not even just boogie with the fatigue issues and the fatigue worry. We've already had talk about the all the players or all the starters and the big minutes guys on the Timberwolves, and how Jimmy Butler had to recently miss a little bit of time. Well, John Wall, in the previous eleven games before his injury, had five games over forty minutes. Played five out of his last eleven, mm. just on around half of his previous eleven games, over forty minutes per game leading the team in usage rate and defending opponent point guards as well. And he had to have surgery as well. The the risks here that coaches still don't understand, and Tibbs, we love you, you've been a great coach, but this is the same problem you had with the Bulls, is it's not about playing a player for a lot of minutes in one game. It's continuous overuse and continuous fatigue, and eventually that player breaks down. This is it. I mean, with Tibbs, I feel like we need to call on the NBA version of Child Protection Services and fucking save that roster. I'm looking at Gibson, Butler, and Towns. Like, I don't want to see anyone get hurt. No, I know. And what's happened lately? The Timberwolves have gone four and six in the last ten. They're not one of the form teams anymore. They're coming towards the back end of the season, and they're not one of the form teams anymore. And I'm. What are they going to... Are they just going to be gassed for the last two months? Can you name another team that's not one of the form teams in the NBA anymore? I can name many, but I think you're referring to the mighty, mighty Cavs. The poo-poo Cavs are back in yes. poo-poo-y form. Did they ever leave? They never left. They just gave up. They just gave up 125 points. <laughs> to the Detroit Pistons without Blake Griffin. Yeah, well, <laughs> without Blake Griffin or Avery Bradley or Tobias Harris. Anthony Tolliver. Yeah. Anthony Tolliver. Ish Smith How was shredding them up. The Ish Smith, he's been, a th- he's been the bench backup to the backup point guard for many teams now. Oh, it's unbelievable what they can do. How they can how they can give up 125 points to a team containing a bunch of dudes running around and Andre Drummond. I mean, shout out to the Danny Ainge curse of you know Brad Stevens making guys look incredible 
and then trading them away for great value and then you get what you're getting from, say, Jay Crowder, who I, I don't think anyone could reasonably say has lived up to expectations. No, and I watched that uh, recent Cavs performance, that Pistons game. Uh, Jay Crowder is absolutely terrible. He is a worse version of Patrick Patterson, who, by Yo. the way, has been a very solid uh, third big guy or maybe possible starter with a bit of range. Patrick Patterson has better skill in every department than Jay Crowder. There is not one thing Jay Crowder does as well. Well, th- th- this is the thing with reputations. Based off his reputation, people assume Jay Crowder is like a 40% three-point shooter, uh, a guy who can stop the LeBrons of the league because of his size and strength and a good finisher at the rim. In reality, he's pretty spotty on defense. He misses a ton of layups, and he's like not even even odds to hit a wide-open three. He's not a starter. You made a great point. The biggest thing I saw from that game was he was absolutely terrified to go to the rim. Not yes. to go to the rim, but terrified that once he made it once he was getting closed out on the on the three-point line and he did take a couple of hard dribbles towards the basket, he was absolutely the most scared and terrified player going to the rim that I've ever seen. He's 6 foot 8. Can the guy please finish? He just he hasn't got the touch. He's he's too inelegant with his layups. He hasn't got the soft hands, and so you see this kind of brute force careening towards the rim, and the best result for him usually is just, you know, drawing a foul because he's, he's an okay free-throw shooter. But um, he's not, a, he's not put it this way, it's astonishing to me that he started on the Cleveland Cavaliers roster. Yeah, and I'm, I apologize to J.R. Smith for ever comparing those two or putting them in the same bracket last pod when I was saying that both of them should be benched. J.R. Smith is a much better basketballer in every facet. Even on defense, even communicating with his teammates on defense, J.R. Smith is a better basketball player. And look, I know IT, Isaiah Thomas has been bad as well, and it hasn't helped. Um, Jay Crowder's got to be the first one out of that. Derek Rose has shown me more moments than Jay Crowder. And Mm-hmm. I got to say, Derek Rose should not be playing for that team ahead of Dwayne Wade any longer. Um, yeah. But that's an appalling. There are some poor, poor decisions going on with that team, and with all the talk of Dan Gilbert selling, there is at the same time talk that Dan Gilbert has been running the organization to the point of making roster decisions. Uh, like, I think. Going? I think that. It's unfortunate what's happened with that locker room. I know that, I mean, the naked eye tell you, tells you that Ty Lu has no control over that locker room, that it's LeBron's locker room. But what's happening with Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder and Kevin Love and you got a whole bunch of really quiet, passive kind of players like Jeff Green or, uh, again, Kevin Love, there's not only a lack of unity, but there's not really any direction. And then you've got these really loud yeah. voices like Isaiah, and it's, it's just a clash. 
I don't know how you begin to draft. And I know we're going to fucking look back at this conversation in four months' time and laugh at how naive we were to think that the Cavs couldn't work this shit out. But right now, I can't see it. Yeah. Oh, I still have LeBron as my uh, second on my ladder for MVP. Uh, He's still playing well. He still played well in that game as well. He had some absolutely bullshit buckets off balance, two players closing in on it. Just some things that LeBron has been doing uh, have been outstanding. But there are, and look, even Dwayne Wade has shown up. Tristan Thompson is doing what he said he would do and what he's done in the past, and he's looked better since being in the starting lineup. Good on, reasonable on the boards, especially offensive boards. Um, but, you know, like, Isaiah Thomas comes out in the media recently, breaks his silence and says, well, what do you expect? When you sign me here, I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to look for my shot and try and score. Yeah, and he needs to be, to a certain extent, allowed to do that through January and February. He came back from a serious fucking injury, and anyone expecting him to be back to his old productivity in three weeks is insane. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Um, The other thing that hasn't helped them, Adam G., is yeah. Le- like you know, if you recall, LeBron started out the season red hot, um, especially from deep. I think he was shooting thirty nine percent through most of the start of this season from three point range. Now he's in in January he's dipped to twenty two percent, which makes a huge oh. difference. And his free throws have dipped too. And you know he was hitting fuck you shots left, right, and center to start the season, and that just really, really helps when you're a team like Cleveland. Yeah, and you know what helps you hit a three? Your legs. <laughs> Your legs are the biggest thing to help you hit a three. You know mm. who's in the top ten in minutes played in the NBA? LeBron. Mm. He's playing every single game, and he's in the top ten of minutes. Yeah, this is it. I mean, he is a big guy playing his fifteenth season at age 33, with more miles on him at this age than I can ever remember. He's eighth, seventh, sorry, in the league in minutes played. This guy, there's, that's got to be a major reason for the lack of productivity from the three-point line, is that you can't see it, he'll never say it, no one will ever admit to it, but, I mean, a better coach manages him better and yeah. helps LeBron keep his MVP MVP case going, which is what LeBron wants, as we all know. But at the same time, he helps LeBron have a good season for an entire season. Uh, My question to you is, do you think these players are trying to get Tyron Lue fired? Do you think this is engineered drama, dragging of the heels, lack of effort on defense? Do you think they want their coach? I don't think they want their coach. This seems like the exact same mood around the team for the last month of the David Blatt era. And that was a very unfair dismissal. I know he lost the locker room, but who can win over and keep that locker room besides LeBron? Yeah, that was unfair based on what he'd done. But the mood in the locker room was obviously a certain way, and changes were made, and they were the right changes. And we know they were the right changes because they ended up doing something that might not happen in that area of the world, in that area of the country, for a long time. Um, But, look, I always think with a lot of teams and sporting teams, the fish rots from the head, and this begins and ends with Dan Gilbert. Who sucks. 
who absolutely who sucks. sucks and burns bridges and is greedy and impulsive and immature. Yeah, and what do you think? What do you, I mean? What do we do just as general people in our own jobs? If our boss and the person who is leading us every single day of the week comes in with that kind of attitude, it rubs mm. off on you. Mm. You can't say it doesn't. You know the guy's there. You might not see him every day, but you hear stories. You speak with the guy. People tell you stuff. It becomes a horrible place to work, and it does not get the best out of everyone. And as we talked about in terms of solutions last week, I mentioned that I thought Ty Lu needed to go. Now, if that helps because they can get a stronger voice in and hopefully Dan Gilbert can shut up and not be involved or Cav's nameless GM can actually do something before the trade deadline as well, great. But at the moment, it's I'm beginning to lose faith that this team can turn around. Put it this way, I think that if LeBron James can get these guys back to the finals, it'll be one of his finest accomplishments. This is an especially discombobulated team, messy, inconsistent, really huge gaping holes on defense. If he can get them out of the East, I think, um, you know, hang your hat, give them the MVP, um, because it's going to take a lot of work and some unbelievable performances to get them past, say, Toronto and Boston and whoever else decides to make a run. Yeah, and maybe even Detroit. Um, and speaking of them, who who would you rather have for the next few years, or who would you rather have right now? Kevin Love, who's out for six to eight weeks with a fifth metacarpal in his left hand, his non-shooting hand broken, or Blake Griffin. Now, I'll preface that with saying that Kevin Love is owed 24 and $25 million the next two years, then you're out from that contract. Griffin, we've already talked about, he's owed almost $173 million over the next four years. But we are looking at a Kevin Love who, apart from a short period of time between 2010 and 2011, has suffered four broken hands, a dislocated shoulder, Kelly Olenek, and had surgery on his left knee. Almost two, two, twice every three years, Kevin Love has a major injury. Mm. Well, put it this way. If the GM and me looks at love and I say he's got a better contract. He is super efficient from the field and from three point. He can clean up the boards. um, And he's like just a really nice, solid piece, injury habits aside. I'll look at him and say that. But the kind of fan gut instinct side of me says that Kevin Love is not a winner and I know that's supremely unfair but you know those you know that feeling you get when a playoff game is within five points and there's only a few minutes left and it's kind of all about which team is going to blink first and who can make a big play who can make make a big shot who can draw a charge um, who can be grittier and get you over the line I would see Blake Griffin as a much bigger asset in those last five minutes of a Game 7 than Kevin Love, who kind of decides to get hot on his own terms, decides to have an impact on his own terms, and isn't really reliable for that grit factor. Yeah, definitely. I I agree. You've swung me. I agree. Um, I mean, the upside for Blake Griffin is quite high, 
Um, but I mean, yeah, there are pros and cons to either player. This is me. Um, I like a guy who can get angry, who can get pissed off, who can, you know, try and draw a charge as like revenge or, um, you know, work his way to an offensive rebound when everyone else has decided to take a possession off. I like Angry Blake, and I'm actually excited to see what he does in, in new surrounds. Kevin Love, though, yeah, definitely. And, and any logical world, you'd say Kevin Love, based on the contract yeah. and based on his efficiency, correct? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, what about the changes to the All-Star teams, then? All-Star weekend being Feb 17th, Feb 18th in LA at Staples Centre. Um, Team LeBron has been destroyed by injury. That's lost the real John curse, Wall. man. Yes, lost John Wall, Boogie. Um, also lost Kevin Love. Yeah. Now, Paul George and Andre Drummond have been drafted in. Uh, does Ben Simmons just replace... Does Ben Simmons just replace Kevin Love now, or what happens? Um... I still think that it can't be it can't be Lou Williams. Lou Williams is in the West. So he had no, but he didn't have to draft from the East, did he? Or do the replacements have to be from the same conference? From the same conference. So Paul George replaced Demarcus Cousins, and Andre Drummond replaced John Wall. So to replace mm. Kevin Love, it has to be someone else from the Eastern Conference. Well, well, hold on. Who's left after Ben Simmons? Hold on. If they're being fair, so they replaced Wall with Drummond. And this is after Drummond bitched and for a fair while. Yes. Right, so you yes. replaced a, a guard with a centre. Yes. Why? And then why? they replaced a centre with a wing. Yes, so they're kind of short on point guards. So there's an argument for Ben Simmons, which I still feel like is a stretch, there could be a chance of like a Kemba. Could Kemba be inserted? Oh, that's possible. He hasn't had the best sure. season, but he hasn't had a bad season. And he just um, yeah. he just hit his ninth uh, three pointer of the night about ten minutes ago. Does well, I mean, is it possible for Eric Bledsoe to make it? Can Oh, I mean, Kemba's Hornets are 11th. It's not like they've been outstanding. I mean, no. where do we... They're the definition of middling. Um, yeah, they are completely middling. Yeah, it could be Ben Simmons. It'd be interesting. I think they need a point guard. I remember Adam Silver, when Drummond came in, he said the the thinking there was that he was next in line in coaches voting. I don't know if they're going to go through that system again to replace Wall. Uh, sorry, love, but I think the most reasonable thing they can do is to give them some sort of, you know, backcourt action. They need a guard. Yeah, definitely. Well, it should be exciting to see some of those things. KD playing with Russ, Russ playing with Victor Oladipo, uh, KD playing with LeBron, LeBron playing with Kyrie, which, by the way, all these storylines are on Team LeBron. I think the only one that I'm interested on, really on Team Steph, is to see how awesome Steph and James Harden could be together. And then, hey, we have Cat, Giannis, and Embiid all on the one team. Yeah, there's so much size, and LeBron has lost what two centers. Um, yeah. I feel like they were an obvious favorite after that draft that him and Curry did, but now with these injuries, man, like I think it's a different story. Stephen Harden and Giannis—that's fucked up. up. Then you throw an Embiid. Yeah. 
<laughs> up against KD, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Kyrie. Can we just play four on four or two on two? Yeah, no Can shit. Can we get rid of all so these fun. other players? It'd also be cool to see them do like horse again or one on ones again. Um, I'm interested oh, to see yeah. how they exper- like experiment further with this format. I love getting rid of the East versus the West. I love upping the charity stakes for the players. So hopefully they give a shit yeah. for more than two minutes and don't just try and pad their stats and win the MVP. It's going to be a good game, I think. Yeah, well, three hundred and fifty thousand dollars goes to the winning team's charity and one hundred and fifty to the runners up. Or to the losing team's charity, so that's um, it's a good start. It could be more considering the size of the NBA. Uh, who do you think was drafted last, by the way, in the All Star drafting by Steph and LeBron? Uh, I reckon. Do you think it was? It was Lowry. No, it wasn't Al Horford. I think it was Lowry or DeRozan. Well, I mean, DeRozan had to be picked on the starters, so that saved him. He was definitely the last. Oh, starter. so he couldn't have been last. Okay. Yeah. He, so he was maybe, definitely the last starter. Okay. He was number ten for sure. Yeah. So maybe Horford or Lillard. It had to be someone on Steph's team, right? I'm kind of hoping it's John Wall was drafted last. <laughs> now I know he's injured now, but with all the talk that the Wizards do, I was kind of hoping that Bradley Beal was drafted before John Wall. Mm, yeah, I hear you. I, I think that as much as I love Al Horford, and I think. He was a huge reason behind Isaiah Thomas's success last year, and he's so fucking underrated in a system, Al Holford. If you look at, like, you're thinking like Steph, you're thinking like LeBron, you're like, who do I want to play with? Who can have impact? Who will be fun? Who do yeah. I, like, bond with? I don't know if that's Al Horford. But who likes fucking Kyle Lowry? No one wants to play with Kyle Lowry. No, no, no right. one. Kyle Lowry wants to be the, the man even these days, so... You know he's going to be talking very, very loudly throughout these games. Look at that fat ass. No, yeah, I reckon it would have been Lowry or Horford. Or Lillard, who yeah. always complains about all-star shit, despite the fact that he's previously always. been voted in. I hate, I I hate the wish, whiners, man. Oh, I was kind of hoping they just wouldn't select him again. Just, <laughs> just to, stop whining, Damien. Yeah. Play better. Just be better, man. Put your head down. Win Get more. your team to a winning record. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, okay, great. You're halfway through a season and you're 28 and 22. Do better than that. There are a lot can, of teams with injuries better. around you. Yeah. You better not. Damian Lillard, if you let the Pelicans catch you now that they've lost to Marcus Cousins, can we revoke his all-star vote? Um, well, Lillard. let's see you fucking earn it, D-Lil, all right? And yeah. I think we can end it on that note with a stern, stern message to Damian Lillard to stop complaining. And also to Andre Drummond, shut up. And Lou Williams, stop bitching. I don't like this yeah, pouting. Be better. Can we also say a, a fond farewell to Nikola Mirotic, um, who will most likely, by the time the next pod arrives yeah. on your your app or iTunes, for, for all you listeners, uh, Nikola Mirotic will be currently gone. sitting out. Sitting out every game up until February 8th. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll be on the Pelicans or somewhere else. Um Bye-bye, Nikola Meritich. I really liked your beard. Oh, yeah. And um, also, um, there's going to be a buyout in New York, it looks like. Well, an attempted buyout um, of Joachim Noah because that $72 million contract is looking dank. <laughs> he's been he's refused to play. They've said just sit down to the trade deadline's over. 
I don't know what they're fucking going to do with that contract, but what a disaster. Hey, Joe, hey, Joe just wants a tan and he wants to be with some very beautiful women. And That's what I, he does I, I best these days. Yeah. The West Coast is very lovely weather at this time of year, actually. Southern California. So, um, Joe, come and join me. Who's going to take that contract? He's averaged less than six minutes a game this season. He's <laughs> <laughs> scoring 1.7 points. Two rebounds. <laughs> there are players in the G League who have averaged more minutes for an NBA team than Joakim Noah. Man, those are dank numbers for a $72 million player. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's look, a stinker. Oh, that's that's too much. Um, we'll leave the uh, we'll leave the listeners with a couple other things that might be uh, coming up on next week's show. Um, a little bit of discussion on Anthony Bennett of the formerly of the Cavs uh, versus Markel Fultz, and if their career paths are going down the same direction, uh, because it's getting worrying with Fultz at the moment. Those videos of him doing warm-up shots before the team comes out are mesmerizing. The Fultz warm-up shots. I can't stop clicking. Hey, there was one where he hit a full-court shot behind his back, but then he missed two free throws in a row. So, you know, maybe... uh, (laughs) There's one where he was shooting with, like, his left hand and then his right hand and his left hand. I'm like, just pick a shot, please. Pick pick one. Well, yeah, that'll be on next week's show. Um... Do you know how how are your Knicks uh, how are your Celtics going actually up against the Knicks? Well, um, we're we're down one Kyrie Irving and one Marcus Smart because Marcus Smart decided to punch a picture frame, allegedly because he had a baby a baby mama incident gone wrong. Um, I don't even want to go on that because it's too speculative. Um, yeah. But the Celtics are. Let's see. Well, that's why I was bringing them up. Oh, because... they're up by thirty-two points. Oh, okay. <laughs> Looks like well, I didn't miss much. Okay. That game's over. But uh, look, the Marcus Smart news is a little bit interesting. We'll see next week. Is um, there's talk that Tyreek Evans might be on your Celtics next week. So that's something else to look out for for next week's pod. Yes, maybe another scorer for the Celtics. God forbid. Uh, until then, Adam G. And Jess. Until then, Adam B. Um, sensational pod. Lovely speaking to you. And uh, let's do it again soon, my man. Definitely, Adam B. I'll speak to you soon.